0: I read an article recently in the National Catholic Register, which began with these words, Robert was looking for love. What he found was a gang. I joined a gang for a family, he told the PBS show Religion and Ethics Newsweekly. I never had one when I was growing up. I joined the gang for a family. That's it. Living with his new quote-unquote family led him to eight years in prison for robbery and carjacking. I share this with you this morning to illustrate a very important truth. We all have a need to belong. We all have a need to be loved. We are human persons who find meaning and purpose in our relationships with others and in being a part of something which is bigger than ourselves. Now, in the plan of Almighty God, we are supposed to have these needs satisfied to some extent, This need to be loved, this need to belong, this need to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. In God's design, we are supposed to have those needs, to some extent, satisfied in our natural families. In paragraph 2207, the Catechism of the Catholic Church says this, The family is the original cell of social life. It is the natural society in which husband and wife are called to give themselves in love and in the love of life. Authority, stability, and a life of relationships within the family constitute the foundations for freedom, security, and fraternity within society. The family is the community in which from childhood one can learn moral value begin to honor God, and make good use of freedom. Family life is an initiation into the life of society. But I ask you this morning, what happens when a young person grows up in a family that's extremely unstable and dysfunctional? I guess you could say all our families are dysfunctional to some extent, because no family is perfect. What about when a child grows up in a family that is extremely dysfunctional? What happens when a young person grows up without any meaningful family relationships? Well then, very simply, you have a potential Robert on your hands. Someone who's very likely to get involved with an unhealthy group of acquaintances who will quite happily lead him down the wrong path in this life. Now, it might not be a full-blown gang. It might not be a street gang, as was the case for Robert. But it will be an unhealthy group of acquaintances nonetheless. Some of you may know this from your own experience. Even some of those who are older in the congregation, you might have drifted for a while into an unhealthy group of acquaintances. Now, praise God, you're back. But this happens all the time. Now, obviously, somebody who comes from a very good family, a caring, nurturing, loving family, can also fall in with a bad crowd. But to the extent that a family is broken or unstable, the odds of this happening greatly increase. If Robert, for example, had grown up in a family where he did experience genuine love and where he had received good moral and spiritual guidance and a good dose of healthy discipline to boot, in all likelihood, he would have resisted the pressure to get involved with a gang. And he would have avoided spending eight years of his young life in prison. So our natural families are extremely important for our full development as persons and for our healthy integration into society but so too is our spiritual family. Our natural families are important, but so too is our spiritual family. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. Because I think a lot of parents are missing the boat on this. A lot of parents in our culture don't understand this. Hence, they don't take their own spiritual lives very seriously. And they don't realize that filters down. If you're a parent... And faith doesn't matter to you. A spiritual family doesn't matter to you. That's going to affect your children in a direct way, in a negative way. This is one reason, at least, I think, why many natural families break up these days. You see, in the plan of Almighty God, participation in the life of a spiritual family is supposed to guide and shape the life of our natural family. And let me repeat that, because that's really the crux of the issue. In God's design, the way God wants it is, participation in a spiritual family is supposed to guide and shape the life of our natural family. That's certainly the way it was for Hannah and Elkanah and Samuel, all of whom we heard about in today's first reading. Their faith, their participation in the Hebrew spiritual family was at the center of their lives. It says there in that text that after Samuel was born, Hannah, his mother, took him to Eli the priest at the temple in Shiloh. And she said to him, I prayed to have this child and the Lord granted my request. Now I, in turn, give him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be dedicated to the Lord. Hannah did that. She consecrated her son to God and to his service because she took her religious faith and her beliefs as a Jew very seriously. Obviously, this was also the case for the Holy Family, whose feast we celebrate this weekend and at this youth mass. In today's Gospel, for example, we hear about a trip that Jesus, Mary, and Joseph made to Jerusalem when our blessed Lord was 12 years of age. Now, needless to say, they didn't make this trip because there was a carpenter's convention there in Jerusalem, and Joseph wanted to get the latest carpentry techniques from the conference. No, that's not why they went. They didn't go to visit friends. They didn't go for any social reason. The Bible's very clear. They went to celebrate the Passover. You know, we can forget this, but the fact of the matter is, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph were devout Jews who were deeply committed to God, to God the Father, and to the practice of their religion. They were members of the Jewish spiritual family. And this is what members of the family did. Because Passover was the most important feast of their liturgical year. And this devotion to their faith, this active participation in the life of the Jewish spiritual family, made a positive difference in their natural family life together, back in Nazareth. That's very clear from one line of this Gospel. The one toward the end where we are told, Jesus went down with Mary and Joseph and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. Now, to be sure, Jesus obeyed his earthly parents and his natural family, first and foremost, because he was God. That's right. But on another level, it's also true to say that he was obedient to Mary and Joseph because of his active participation in his Jewish spiritual family. His Jewish religion, in other words, guided his moral conduct at home as it guided his conduct everywhere else. The fourth commandment of the Jewish law said, honor your father and your mother. So that's what he did. For all of us, the Catholic Church is our spiritual family. I hope you think of it in that way. You know, a lot of people today simply think of the Church as a cold institution something out there, this entity that imposes stuff on them. Now, to be sure, the Church is institutional, but it's more than that. In fact, one of the definitions that people don't know about in the Catechism of the Church is this one. In paragraph 1655 it says, the Church is nothing other than the family of God. That is to say, it's the spiritual family that God has established in this world through his divine son. That means it's much more than an institution. And this should really make perfect sense to us, because what does every family have? Well, family has a father. In our spiritual family, we do. We have a father, a heavenly father. St. John affirms this in our second reading. He says, beloved, we are God's children now. If you have children, you have to have a father. We have a spiritual mother in our family. We have a divine brother, Jesus. We have adopted brothers and sisters, one another. We have a handbook of family life. You know, every family has rules, right? Some of you parents, I'm sure, have written them down for your children. Well, God's written them down for us. The Bible and the Catechism really form our handbook of family life. Every family has special customs. Rituals, if you will. I remember them growing up in my family. Christmas Eve, the fish dinner, all of that. Well, we as Catholics in this spiritual family have seven special family rituals through which we receive grace from our Father. And we even have a family inheritance awaiting us if we don't turn away from it. An inheritance is literally out of this world. This is why staying connected to the Church, this is why staying connected to God's spiritual family is so important. It's absolutely essential. Remember what I said at the beginning of my homily. We all have a need to belong. We all have a need to be loved. We are human persons who find meaning and purpose in our relationships with others and in being part of something bigger than ourselves. And see, this is so crucial because if you don't stay connected to the church and have these needs satisfied in God's true spiritual family, you will probably look to have them satisfied somewhere else. That's what Robert did. He looked to a gang. It was the wrong place to look. It might even be in a religious cult of some kind, like the Jehovah's Witnesses. Why do you think so many Jehovah's Witnesses are ex-Catholics? It's because once they rejected the true faith, they had a vacuum in their lives that needed to be filled. They needed some kind of spiritual family to belong to. So they joined one, one that teaches a lot of errors after rejecting the one that teaches the fullness of God's revealed truth. This incidentally, in case you didn't already know, is one of the primary reasons why I make evangelizing teenagers a top priority in my ministry. I always have, and by the grace of God, I always will. We have a Thursday night youth group. I very rarely miss that. It has to be something really, really big. I'm committed to those meetings with those teenagers where we discuss teen issues. I'm committed because I know how important it is that you young people get and stay connected with the church. I know how important that was for me as a young person, especially after I lost my father at the age of 14. I needed help, and my priests were there for me. That's why I'm there for you. You need to know that the church is your spiritual family, that the church is a place where you can learn about life and get the real truth about life and find forgiveness and strength and hope for your lives. Because if you find all of those things here in the church, you will be much less likely to look for those things out there, where a lot of people are ready, willing, and able to lead you down the wrong path. Remember what Robert said. I joined a gang for a family. I never had one when I was growing up. I joined a gang for a family. That's it. That's the bottom line. That's the reason. Everybody needs a family, a spiritual family. And everyone has one, at least potentially, in the church. We should pray at this Mass that Robert has come to realize that since he was released from prison. And we have good reason to believe that he has. It's said in that Catholic Register article that he's now very involved with Homeboy Industries. Homeboy Industries is a program in Los Angeles, California, for ex-gang members run by a Jesuit priest named Father Greg Boyle. We have Mike Rogers, our Jesuit seminarian, here with us today. I said to him earlier, I said, Do you know Father Boyle? He said, Yes. (laughs) He's a very good man. And he also has cancer, so we should remember him in our prayers as well. Dear Lord, on this beautiful feast of the Holy Family, help all of us to understand that the Church is much more than an institution. Help us to see that it's actually a worldwide spiritual family and that we're all blessed to be members of it. Most of all, help us to be open to the many graces that you give us through the church so that we'll stay on the road to heaven and so that our natural families here on earth will be happier and healthier and holier. This we ask through Jesus Christ, our Savior and our brother, Amen.